Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the wall. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Wonderful to be with you on this Tuesday morning. I believe we're going to have a wonderful broadcast today. And the first thing that I would like to share this morning is this is a great day to just kind of share, you know, from the heart, um, you know, our understanding, our thoughts about where we are in time and all the different things going on. One of the very sad things that I probably would imagine would capture just about everyone's heart is what happened in Houston. I guess it was over the weekend where I think eight confirmed deaths of young people that went to a Travis, uh, forget the name of the young man, uh, Pastor Jeff had brought him up on Friday, and there were tens of thousands of young people doing their hip-hop, the hippie to the hippie, and don't stop the rocking to the, you know, thing uh, at this rap concert, and they were suffocating and dying, and there were some injections in the neck and some fentanyl drugs that were being found out and discovered. They, they called it a stampede. And the, the sad thing is, isn't just the eight people that died at that concert. The sad thing is, is that we're witnessing in our generation, just on that little venue alone, 
tens of thousands of young people jumping up and down to a song and to a beat and to a, a message that has nothing to do with life. It has nothing to do with eternity. It has nothing to do with goodness, nothing to do with holiness and worship and praise toward God. And so we are very thankful that there are young people in our nation and around the world that do gather together and worship the Lord. But to see the tens and tens and tens of thousands of young people at these concerts uh, being totally led astray and destroyed and being led into destruction is a very sad thing in our nation, a Judeo-Christian nation, a once-Christian nation where the advocation for the glory of God was at the highest heights. It was at the forefront of people's hearts and minds to bring the integrity and the morality and the goodness of God into our society and, you know, men being imperfect, you know, having laws that uh, restrained unrighteousness and ungodliness and and how in one generation those laws that were, you know, to protect our society from the insanity are now gone. We live in a very hypocritical generation. There's no doubt about it that uh, now we hear all these people on the left, uh, particularly, you know, um, you know, these tens of thousands of people that died in a stampede. You know, we've got to do better than that. And, you know, there shouldn't be the calls for violence from the rap star, you know, telling people to jump off uh, from the heights and into the crowd and or to beat up somebody over there. You know, we got to temper that after 2020's violent reaction to the Trump administration, the violence that we saw from a George Floyd death in Minnesota that erupted into a year or 17 months of pure violence and burning. And while they were violently protesting, burning buildings, government buildings, cars and everything else, now you have this young man from Kenosha, Wisconsin on trial because he was in the midst of a crowd. Everybody else was carrying their weapons, burning buildings, hurting people, beating people up, kicking them in the head. So this one young kid is defending himself, and he's on trial for being a bad boy. And yet the tens of thousands of young people that were trampling down the, the city streets of our nation, setting on fire buildings, which would have been a, you know, you went to prison for stuff like that, were allowed to just release their energy, kick the guy in the head, beat the living daylight, shoot somebody, kill somebody, and not be brought to justice. But a young kid in Kenosha, Wisconsin, is on trial. Now, what does this say? Number one, it's very sad that it's happening within our nation. We used to watch this going on in other countries around the world, right? But it's happening in our nation, and it's happening, you know, in a very peculiar way, like something demonic has taken over the minds of the masses. But what it really unveils, the times that we're living in right now, from my perspective, what it unveils is that our nation is fighting itself. And we call that civil war. We call that an internal revolution. We call that a house divided cannot stand. You call it whatever you want to. But I know that anytime a physical body in any human being, when its own body begins to fight against itself, that's called cancer. That's called disease. That's called, you know, something that is going to produce death. So if there are, you know, antibodies or there are things inside of you uh, that are eating away at your own foundation, at your own immune system, and you have an internal struggle, that's a very dangerous thing. And we're witnessing that in our country. 
We're witnessing that around the world, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Everything that Jesus said would be an end-time reality is now happening. And in our own country, where I believe, you know, this is where the the crosshairs of the target are set upon our own nation, uh, we're literally witnessing an internal struggle and an internal strife and uh, a body, a nation fighting against itself that used to be one nation under God. And so everybody's trying to come to grips. Well, well, who is our enemy? Is our enemy China? Is our enemy Russia? Is our enemy, you know, well, we have enemies within. Uh, And so what are we struggling against? And one of the thoughts that came to my mind as I was considering this, and absolutely the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that a nation divided against itself cannot stand. Um, You know, and, and so the inevitability of collapse does not rest upon my thinking or anything I have to say, or my imagination, or my emotions. No, my understanding of a nation that's ready to collapse under the weight of its own internal strife and destruction is what Jesus said. And it's very clear. It's a principle in life. How can two walk together unless they agree? Well, we have gone so far into the realm of hypocrisy and violence and uh, internal strife and struggle that you wonder, is one side going to win the other, or are we going to see the internal collapse of both, and who is our internal enemy today? Well, ultimately, spiritually, I know Satan is at the helm of all of this. I know that Satan has uh, gained a stronghold within the uh, the high place of our nation, if you will, and uh, Satan has put a foothold. He has strengthened his position within our nation. This is Satan. This is Lucifer. This is the satanic, the demonic, the evil adversary of all mankind. Believe me, he doesn't love the left or the right. Believe me, Satan hates everything created in the image and likeness of God. His best design, deceive everybody that he can, use them as long as he can, and then chew them up and spit them out because he doesn't have any desire for the satanic worshipers, for the priests of Satan. He doesn't love any one of them. They're silly, deceived people that are going to be destroyed throughout eternity, fortunately, right? So I get that. That's Bible. That's clear. You know, I drink the blood of, of, of people because I'm a devil worshiper, and Satan's going to bring me to a high place and give me all this stuff. Yeah, but when he's done with you, you're, you're totally destroyed forever. So I get that. It's all satanic, okay? But on the other hand, the manifestation of that satanic thing that's going on within our Judeo-Christian nation right now, as we are witnessing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of young people within our nation, across the nation, going into oblivion uh, and worshiping things that are less than honorable to worship. My goodness gracious. Uh, you know, that's just sickening, disgusting. It's repulsive to think that these young people that have so much talent and energy and potential and possibility to do great things, that they're dying in concerts because they're worshiping some guy on a stage named Travis, whoever he is, uh, you know, rapping a message of violence and killing. That stinks, right? So that really does. But what is this? And why do the, the leftists and, and, and the news media on the left, oh, we got to curb the violence of these concerts. Uh, and, and Travis, he, he's the problem. Why didn't you curb the violence in 2020? Well, well, real violence was going on. Why didn't you do something about it? Why was it advocated as peaceful? It's so hypocritical, and it's so arrogant 
is what the, the funny thing is. It's so arrogant. And, uh, you know, I listen to people right now. And as I said, I'm just spending a few minutes speaking from my heart for a moment. Uh, I, I listen to people, the commentators on the, the leftist news network, the communist news network, CNN, and, and they bring them in and, and they're talking about January 6th still. They're still talking about Trump. They can't leave him alone. They can't leave it alone. They're going to make an example out of everybody. Now the next six people they're going to bring in that were in the inner circle of Trump's revolution of undermining the elections and on and on and on. And, and they, with a big smile, say, oh, they're going to try to resist. And how, how's that gone so far with others? And meanwhile, we're hearing all this stuff going on, all this crazy stuff. So who's the struggle against? Who's the enemy? Who are we fighting? Well, some people, and I'm just talking about manifestation of the satanic, well, the Communist Party is at work in the United States of America, and they're trying to put fear in everybody, and they're doing everything in their power to do that. And I came across this, and I want to read it to you, because I think it goes back, and maybe it'll nudge our consciousness uh, to a further awakening of some things. I hope so. Um, But here it is. Okay, let me just share this with you. A common 20th century criticism of the founding is that it enshrines the principle of self-interest at the heart of the regime. The Declaration speaks of rights, we are told, but it does not seem to have much to say about duties. If rights come first, And if the first right is the right to life, it seems that our obligations to others are contingent on our rights. In other words, what seems to come first in the Declaration is selfishness, looking out for one's own life, liberty, and happiness. Contrary to this view, the founders emphatically placed their honor and duty ahead of their private rights. The Declaration says in its second paragraph that when a people is subjected to a long train of abuses aiming at absolute despotism, which is happening right now, and I quote, it is their right, it is their duty to change the government. This duty is higher than one's own personal survival or selfish interest. It may, in fact, require the sacrifice of one's own life. That is why the Declaration concludes with these noble words, and I quote, We pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Honor and duty are superior to rights and self-interest. The founders' clearest statement of this conviction occurs in the declaration of the causes and necessity of their taking up arms, co-authored by Jefferson and John Dixon, or Dickinson, and approved by the Continental Congress in 1775, and I quote, we have counted the cost of this contest. And folks, we're in a contest right now in this country. America's in a contest. And finding nothing so dreadful as voluntary slavery, honor, justice, and humanity forbid us 
tamely to surrender that freedom which we have received from our gallant ancestors. We cannot endure the infamy and guilt of resigning succeeding generations to that wretchedness which inevitably awaits them if we basely entail hereditary bondage upon them we are with one mind resolved to die free men rather than to live slaves if the founders really believed that selfish interest was to was the foundation of human rights they would never have believed that slavery and dishonor are worse even than death. And I just wanted to ask you, are you aware that in the Declaration of Independence, in the final paragraph of all that was written, that it came to this reality about pledging their lives, pledging their honor, pledging their fortunes to resist the tyranny You know, another thing that catches my attention personally about this is there's a scripture in the the book of Isaiah that talks about Satan, Lucifer. And it says that one day after all of his damages, after everything he's done to destroy everything that he possibly could concerning God particularly, and that is creation itself, Satan hates God's creation that people will narrowly look upon him and they will view him and say, you're the man that caused all this problem. You see, to me, that's how I feel when I look at the CNN, CNBC, when I, when I look at Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Peter Buttigieg, the homosexual man that he and his husband are now adopting twin babies um, that are in positions of power, the, the Merricks uh, who are in high powerful positions um, to make decisions. When I look at Joe Biden uh, and I see the shell of a man being used and puppeteered, when I look at Kamala Harris, when I look at the left, they're anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-life, Uh, baby-loving abortion, shedding of innocent blood, uh, the idea of promoting the abomination of men marrying men and women with women, sexually twisting and perverting the, the normalcy of what God intended originally, the moral integrity of sexuality. When I, when I look at these people that are doing that in a nation of patriots and moralists and people that are supposedly of clear thought and clear mind, and yet I see that a generation has shifted our young people into slavery and bondage. And you you can see that they're not even thinking for themselves, that they're under a spell, and that there are people that should be standing up right now resisting heavily, uh, you know, this hypocrisy that has happened since 2019 um, and all the things that have happened in between. And where are they? They're sitting behind their personal desks, writing little cliches and, you know, little tidbits about this. Meanwhile, American citizens are being arrested and going away. And now people are basically afraid to do what? To pledge their lives, their fortunes and their sacred honor. It's as though nobody's willing to stand up and fight for uh, this battle and fight for what is right 
Forget about your own rights. Just fight for what is right. And what does that actually mean? Well, you know, as a citizen of the United States of America, uh, you would expect a healthy fear of a righteous government, and you would want to support a righteous government, and you would get behind a righteous government that is doing what is right for our Judeo-Christian nation. The only government was we, the people of the United States, that elected people to support our constitutional values. And so we would fear that government. But when a government, even the founding fathers said, begins to tear down laws of morality and promote laws that create immoral conditions that psychologically affect a nation or a person's life uh, or contribute to the sensualization, the sexualization, the bondage and the slavery of young people and little children in our schools being downloaded with an anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-American values in a more global thing and a communist idea of eradicating God from all of it. Well, that's the time when people are to gather together and pledge their lives and their honor and their, their fortunes uh, to become responsible to get rid of a government that's in your face telling you that if you went and supported your president on January 6th, for example, President Donald J. Trump was still the sitting president, and they're saying if you went to support your president, you're an enemy. Well, whose enemy would the people that supported him be? Whose enemy? The American people that voted and got behind their president, which is what you always do, whose enemy were they? They weren't Donald Trump's enemy. They weren't the patriotic American citizenry enemy. Whose enemy? You mean the enemy of the left? The enemy of the Communist Party? The enemy of the Socialist Party? the enemy of anti-God, anti-Christ, people that support and destroy the, the heritage of our nation and they pull down statues and they release their army called BLM, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, to rage throughout our nation to do what they did in Seattle and in Portland and throughout the cities of America to bring fire and racism and demonstration and violence and division. They're the enemy, but they're situated right here in this continent, and they're telling you if you pledge your honor, if you pledge your wealth, your fortune, if you pledge your lives to this cause, we will come after you. And they, through a spirit of fear, have silenced. Now, my question further is, well, what is that? How is it possible? How is it possible? Election fraud? Stealing an election with a man that doesn't know how to think for himself sitting in a basement during the whole entire election thing while the world was shut down with a phony virus? What is that? Well, I've got an answer. You see, to me, it's incredulous, it is ridiculous, it is angering and frustrating, it's all those things, right, that a human being could feel in their emotion 
to say, what is this? And yet having an inability to gather because they're afraid that this present order will come against you for being an American. And that's what they're really saying. We don't want you to be an American in the truest sense of an American, which was a moral individual with principles and values and things that, while not perfect, stood up for what was always at least right. Now we promote what is obviously wrong, and we call it right, and we expect you to say that our wrong is right. I mean, that's what it's all about. And so we sit here and we go, well, what is this? What do I do with this information? How do I take my Bible and my love for God and my love for Jesus and my love for the church and my love for human beings, my love for all of them in spite of their insanity and delusion and yet their hatred for God, the enemies of the cross, you know? What do you do with this information? Well, you sit back and you come to one conclusion. One conclusion. You know, people get on these radio programs and podcasts and they're telling everybody, you know, the the revolution's coming, the revolution's coming. And I don't doubt it. We'll see how many people get derailed and get thrown into prison uh, because they're not willing to pledge because they really don't know who to pledge with because everybody today is taking advantage of everybody. And there's normally a scheme for financial wealth behind everything that people promote to draw following to them. Even the people that lied about Donald Trump being the president, they still are doing everything in their power to draw men unto them. And, you know, that's another whole story. It's all about having a following, a following, a following. Most people today that are preaching the truth, yeah, they have a very small following. But my point is this. What is it? What are we looking at? I mean, there's only one lens of Scripture that brings reality to this moment. Only one that I'm aware of. And it's simple. It's not complicated. You remember the old phrase, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid, right? That's what they used to say. Keep it simple, silly, or whatever, stupid. So what is the simple reality to the hypocrisy of 2020, the deception of the global shutdown? And if you've been listening to this broadcast, I've been saying for years, my personal belief and view of the global shutdown was to get everybody out of the way so that they could bring their, uh, you know, the final components into their final solution. The new world order of control, 5G towers and spyware and metaverses, and it's all coming fast now, as you know. So I believe personally that the pandemic was a uh, a a Hegelian dialectic. Uh, We have a, a desire here, which is the Hegelian dialectic, is here's the ultimate goal, but the question is how do we get to that? Well, so we create a crisis, we bring a solution, And then we ultimately get to where we want to be. And the 2019 COVID-19 lie was the crisis to get everybody out of the way to install the final components of the new world order, which is the ultimate goal to have total control over everything on this earth. Okay, so we know that. And that's biblical. And it's their final solution, just as the Nazis wanted to get rid of the Jewish people in their final solution to get rid of everything called God, because it is a satanic agenda. There's no doubt it's a satanic agenda. Now, what is it, though? What, what are we viewing? What are we looking at? What are we seeing? I come to one conclusion. 
One biblical, simple conclusion. What is that? Why can't the Patriots form their coalition? I mean, everybody's on Newsmax, Fox News, wherever, you know, groups gathering out in the fields, conferences, but it's not changing anything. There's a, uh, there's a political battle going on in the courts. I get that. And if you get involved in that, you become an enemy. Maybe those people are pledging their lives, their honor, and their sacredness until maybe it gets to the press degree. Well, we're going to begin to now afflict your children and your grandchildren, and we're going to start to, you know, blow back because we've got the power this government does against those that would stand up. So we'll see how far it goes. You know, we'll see how far this political battle goes. But if I'm viewing things properly through the word of God, what is the answer? What am I looking at? I'm standing back. I'm looking. I'm frustrated. I'm concerned. I'm hurting. I'm seeing tens of thousands going into destruction. I want to go out there. I want to preach the truth. I want to tell them one-on-one or under tents or whatever. I want to draw them. They're not interested, right? A lot of them. Some are. What am I looking at? What am I looking at? Well, everything I read in Scripture, I'm letting God have his way now, okay? What am I seeing? Well, have I seen this before? Well, I can go back in history and think about the Roman Empire. I could think about Israel many times in history. I could go back and think about what happened to Babylon, what happened to Armenia, Persia. Uh, I could go back and what happened to Egypt, what happened, you know, from God's own people to foreign nations to, you know, all these things. What am I witnessing? One thing, the only answer to Satan having a stronghold on this nation for a Joe Biden administration with all the leftist comrades, an antichrist, anti-God thing, a acceleration of falling away, which we haven't even begun to see yet because the new metaverse is going to draw. Masses are going into that slavery. So what is it? How did it happen? How are people being arrested for following their president that had nothing to do with a breach? They just showed up to to be with their president. What happened? What is this? How did these people that hate God get into positions of power? Why are we in a struggle? Why are we fighting ourselves, our own body called America? Why Why is there internal strife to the degree we're being torn apart? Well, it's definitely a communistic manifesto. It's definitely a satanic scheme. I get all that. But why is it being allowed to happen? There's one answer. America has sinned against God. And we are under judgment. There's no reason to go looking anywhere else. All the patriotic fighting in the world against this wicked agenda will not stand unless the nation repents and turns to God and comes together under the mind of the commander-in-chief of the armies of God, Jesus Christ, there is no other way out 
to the degree of patriotism one has in their heart, even as a founding father, must be a smaller degree for their love and passion and obedience to Jesus Christ to live the way that he wants us to live. We live in a nation and all over the world. We are riddled with the disease of sin. Sin is the disease. It's in the world and it's in the church. Because of a lukewarm gospel, because of a tickling of the ears and a scratching of the back and a feel-good gospel to draw the masses, sin runs rampant in the churches, in attitudes, in conduct, in fear, in sexual sin, in shame, and I can go on down the list. Because the watchmen within our nation have failed their duty and their responsibility, whether they sit up in the high chairs of Congress or the Senate or in the judiciary branches of our government, they have failed to uphold righteousness. They have failed to uphold the righteous king. They have failed in our nation. I don't expect it in a heathen nation, but in our nation. And yet they'll stay in those seats of power as long as their lifestyle is still afforded by the people. Sure, they'll say things to urge the people on to this is wrong, but they don't do anything. Zero. Nothing. This war machine in Washington, D.C. should have been shut down before it ever got going. But you see, when you're at the top, and you're the senator, and you're the congressperson, and you're in the Supreme Court or in some judicial setting, as long as your coffers are being filled by the little people beneath your feet. But you see, that was so different than the founding fathers. The founding fathers never would have allowed to happen what's happening in this country right now. They came and they fought for a nation under God, through divine providence and they said, this is how it has to be treated. It's, the power belongs to the people. And, and we are their servants. And when the people are being arrested and the people are being afflicted, we will stand up for them and utilize all of our authority and all of our power. And yet they're saying, well, we can't do anything because all the authority and all the power has now been given to the left. But they're not even a leftist party within our nation that represents the mind of America. They are a globalist communist party that only represents themselves and their desire to eradicate God out of our society. And the people that are wanting their passions are there, but they're being delayed and it's waning. It's getting lower and lower and lower. And some people in the open fields are gathering. Yeah. But nothing is being accomplished. Yeah. But we want a court law. We want, we stopped it over here. Do you realize what you're saying? You're putting all the energy in the battles just to stop a mandate. When, was it, when, when did we become, that's the battle? It should have never happened in the first place. And all you're doing now is trying to plug up the hole in the Titanic. And when you get that one plugged up, another one starts leaking. And so you have a nation of people that are being brought into a snare. 
They're told, get into the boxing ring, fight one another, left against right, black against white. Get in there, God against Satan. The church against the world. And the church really isn't up to it. They don't know what the heck to do. Most believers today in the gospel, they don't have a clue. So they just, some people say, well, listen, my only responsibility is to love my neighbor, to love God, and I totally agree with that. My only responsibility is to go out and share the word of God, to tell the truth. But, again, the church was told to expose the darkness, tell the people what the lie is, but they're afraid to do it because they don't want to get on the wrong side of a law, which is a false law, in a sense. And what has this led to? Let me tell you what it's led to. This environment that we live in right now has led to people no longer even respect government in this country. There are people today living like this government doesn't exist. Boy, do I understand that, right? But their attitude is, I'm not going to obey you. And what is fostering is a spirit of anarchy. Because that government having pride of Satan wanting control is eventually going to stand up and say, oh, yes, you will. And I heard that on the news media this morning. Oh, yes, you will. You resist. You're ours. But most people, particularly the, on the right, if you will, or the patriots or whatever, they have no respect for this government. And I just wonder if in their lack of respect, will they continue to pay taxes to it? Now, listen, if you want to get on the wrong side of this governmental system, stop paying your taxes, right? You could opine as much as you want. Well, not really as much as you want, because if you go overboard and start saying things against our narrative, then you become the enemy of the state. So we'll let you opine to a degree, but eventually all the opining is going to cease. And you will submit. You will obey. And if you resist, if you push, we're, com- we're coming for you. But I wonder about those that are claiming to get ready for the revolution, get ready for the civil war, get ready. We despise the Biden administration. We despise the deceit and the deception and the trickery. And our government just lied to everybody and cheated and stolen election and wouldn't even allow it to be examined properly. And, <clears throat> but we still need to pay our taxes, even to that government that is anti-Christ, anti-God, uses taxpayer dollars to murder innocent babies' blood, to support homosexuality and lesbianism and all this craziness. We just have to keep giving into it. We don't like it, but we got to do it. Hmm. My thought is why they keep doing it, why it will keep going, judgment. It's all a sign of judgment. And eventually, as the Antichrist powers of Scripture are coming forth, and the stage is being set all over the world for a new world order to come to power in this nation, 
which the left rejects and mocks and laughs at and scoffs, that's their job to make you feel foolish about knowing the truth. The stage is being set all over the world. The, the last nation that needed to go down to be broken, to be defeated, to have no further resistance is the United States. So they've been concentrating on this for a long time. Will the resistance ultimately break out into a physical, violent revolution? Yes, because the seeds of a physical, violent revolution are in the soil of America, going back to the Revolutionary War. Will there be the divided nations, a civil war within our own nation? Yes. Because the seeds of civil war are in the soil of our nation. Oh, I don't expect that the nation will go down without a revolution and a civil war. But I don't believe a revolution or a civil war is going to prove positive in a nation as corrupt as our own, both in the church and in the country in which we live. And it's not just an internal revolution. It's a global mind, a satanically motivated global mind waiting for the collapse of this country to bring in what they have already prepared in the final components of a global red dragon, seven-headed, seven-horned, ten-horned beast system, false prophet. It's all coming, and it's coming swift. So what do I say? First thing I do is I hit my knees. I fall on my face before God and I come before him and I have a repentant heart and a humble heart to say, God, if I have sinned against you and there's judgment on my life personally, I confess and I repent. What have I done? You see, because I believe that Jesus Christ took my judgment away from me. I personally believe that Jesus has taken the judgment that I deserve for the way I used to be on himself. I don't believe I personally am under judgment anymore. I'm not. And the proof of that has been what God has done in my life. And if God were to allow everything in my life to be taken away from me right now, I've already lived under the blessing of the Lord. And if it's time to lay down my life and my fortunes and pledge my life to a greater cause, which is standing for the king of glory, that's okay. I've already won. I have already seen the glory of God. And and my my heartbeat is to, to walk through this thing and to see the power and the glory of God all the way to the end to be alive and remaining at the coming of the Lord Jesus, to be able to walk through the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth, to have a sound mind and a clean heart before God and clean hands before the Lord. And I believe Jesus did that for me. And every day I desire to do it his way. I want to live his way. I am not a perfect man, but I desire his perfection in my life. I want to live a life clean. I don't want when the trouble comes to have stains on my hands. I want them to accuse me, but have nothing to really accuse me of. I don't want them to, but they do, and they will. I don't desire, I should say. 
I don't desire to be accused and then be right. If there's something in my life. No, I want to come to a place where Jesus was, my example, the one I follow, where he said, Satan came, but he found nothing in me. That's where I want to be. And I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, that is becoming a reality, that I am born again in my spirit, and my soul is being renewed day by day. And I believe that all of our preparations have not been in vain, spirit, soul, and body. I believe that doing what was right when nobody was looking was the right thing to do, and it's going to prove to be solid in the days ahead. I just want to stand before God, and they can't accuse me of anything other than being a true Christian. And this is being worked out every single day of my life. So judgment on this nation is not judgment against me. I don't believe that. You say, well, the whole nation's being judged. In a sense, it is because we have to live in the environment but there is a higher environment to live in. It's called the kingdom of heaven. It's called the kingdom of God. It's called the spiritual realm. It's the realm of God's provision, God's healing, God's protection, God's defense, God's everything. And I believe in that. And I believe as we, as we seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, all the things we need on this earth are abundantly supplied. And that is the truth that I have found in my life. My needs are met. So I know it's judgment just to be here. We live in a sin-sick world and a world that's already condemned. But when you get to that place of judgment, because it's crossed the point of no return, and judgment is designed to do what? Judgment is designed to turn people back to God. We've been under judgment for since 9-11, in my opinion, even before, but I mark 9-11 as a time of real judgment designed to take America back to God. But instead of returning back to God, we went so further away from him. Now we're in the point of being destroyed because the crises have not drew the people back to God in pure holy worship. Maybe some, praise God, but not the country itself. So, My view of where we live in this country is judgment. So what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to strap on my armor? And, and I'm talking carnal fleshly armor. Armor. Am I supposed to get my sidearm and go out and look for a fight? You know, what am I supposed to do? And we sit back and I heard someone say the other day, why isn't anybody doing anything to get these people out of Washington, D.C.? And I've been, you know, willing enough to talk to people about biblical examples, like in the days of Moses, where God told Moses, go take the judges that offend me and hang them before all the people that all may fear. And we're saying, well, who will do that? Well, nobody's actually done it. So who is going to be the, the Josiah of our nation it's going to rally all the power. We rip his clothes and say, no wonder why we're under such judgment. We've offended God and take a, 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 a reformation uh, conduct and, and gather the power and go through the nation and shut down everything that's evil and wicked against God. Where's our Josiah? 
Or where's our Phineas that has such zeal for God that he goes into the tent of the Israeli man and the Midianite woman and stabs them so the plague stops and God blesses that lineage forever? Where's the zeal? And we're looking for him. Gone. Where? We're talking about it. It's biblical. And you hear things like, oh, that's the Old Testament. Okay, that's the Old Testament. So nobody does anything. And we keep going further and further and further into slavery and bondage. Unless you're truly born again, you're walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. But the call of the Spirit has come out of her, my people. And I don't see too many people actually coming out of her, even though they know what they see coming on. They are at ease in Zion, much like Lot's wife was at ease in Sodom and Gomorrah. She did not want to leave that place. She, you know, it was long, long enough jury. She wanted to stay right there. So the people that claim to be led by the Spirit and, you know, they, they, can live, they think that they're going to live in this society where, where the Word of God saying it's going. You won't be able to buy or sell. You're not going to, you know, the, the horses of Revelation are running rampant right now all over the world. Inflation and, and prices are rising, gas is rising, problems out at sea. I mean, it goes on and on, right? And so the people say, well, I'm kingdom, and I'm, I'm not under judgment. I live by the Holy Spirit. They think they're going to continue to live in this world that way, and yet the true spirit of God and the word of God are saying, if you see these things coming, get flee Babylon. Get out of her, my people. And yet most people, they don't have a clue what to do. What do you mean go? What do you mean leave? What are you talking about? Where is there to go? Don't you know? that the pre-tribulational rapture is coming to get us out of here? Just live your best life now. Do everything you enjoy doing in your life. Don't prepare for anything. There's no reason. That only shows that you're afraid and you don't trust God. That's what they tell you. And they're going to go into the preacher rapture. So I guess the best answer for people that are not under judgment because they love Jesus is just keep sending your kids to school. Keep living. Don't prepare. Just wait. The rapture will come. Get you out of here at the right time. That's unusual to me because that's not what the Bible actually teaches. We should never live in fear. We should never try to save our life because we're going to lose it. No, and Noah wasn't trying to save his life by getting into his own mind and doing stuff. He had instruction from God what to do that he might be spared from what was coming and that his progeny, his, his children, and, and, and life could go forward. And so it's very unusual how people think today. And it's because confusion, because you're living in Babylon. Babylon, America, mean Babylon means confusion. And we have confusion in the world. We have confusion in the church. We have confusion in our own hearts and minds. And there's a double-mindedness. Should I go? Should I stay? What do I do? What do I do? I heard it here, and it sounded right. But then I listened to so-and-so, and that sounded right. So I'll just stay stagnant. Hmm, the Valley of Decision. The last time I read about the Valley of Decision was in Joel chapter 2. And in Joel chapter 2, it says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. But God says, I'm sending my wrath into the valley of decision. Get off the fence. Get somewhere. Stop being lukewarm. One foot in, one foot out. Make a decision, for goodness sake. Well, I'm going to make a decision to not do anything but wait for the rapture and live my best life now. And all that other stuff, I'll leave with God. Hmm. Okay. Bravo. The funny thing is about that, Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, flee. So it's a very odd time, isn't it? 
And each one of us has a responsibility for, before God to say, Lord, what direction do I go in? What do you want me to do? I don't want to live in fear. I'm never going to live in fear. I, I understand the fearful things that could happen. I understand those things. But if I'm doing the will of God from my heart, then I have to allow for God to take care of those things. But if I'm not doing the will of God, if I'm not hearing and obeying the will of God, if I still have a nasty attitude, if I still have unholy conduct, and, 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 and I'm just a certain way, man, that is so, what do you call that? That takes spot to think that God owes you a favor when you haven't done what he's asked you to do or to conduct yourself the way he wants you to conduct yourself. You think God owes you a favor? See, I don't believe that. And only you can judge yourself unless you don't see yourself clearly. Then you should read the Bible and let it shine light. And if that doesn't work, let your spouse do it. And if that doesn't work, then people in your ecclesia ought to show you. It doesn't happen anymore because we don't like stepping on people's toes. Let them be what they want, what they are, because we don't want conflict. It's not healthy. That's never been healthy. That's never going to be healthy. So then, I apologize for taking so much time to speak to you from my heart today. What's the solution? What's the solution? I don't want to live in fear. I won't. I refuse to. But I do want to listen to God say something to help me to understand. And millions of Christians today, believers in Jesus Christ, believe that God told them, don't worry, you're out of here before the Antichrist comes. Don't worry, you're out of here before the tribulation comes. Don't worry, you're out of here before problems come. You just keep living your beautiful life. And don't worry, just don't worry about anything because you're out of here. Now, if they said, God said, don't worry about anything, and I agree, we're not supposed to worry about anything. I get it. But maybe if people were saying to millions of people, God told me not to worry about anything, but I should prepare for everything. Oh, cool. Don't worry. Be happy. But definitely prepare my ark, because that's biblical instruction. Now, if people were saying something like that, now, I'm not worried. I'm not afraid. I'm not moved by these things, but I'm moved by God. And when God tells me to do something through his word, it moves me to do something rather than just say, oh, God said it, but I can't do anything about it. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. How swift is it coming? Well, maybe you want to talk about it today with me. I don't know. Um, we'll get into some conversation, and uh, maybe you'd like to share your thoughts, your heart about what it is. The number to call today is area code 818-369-0326. Because, you know, here's where we need to have a discussion. Here's where you and I need to talk. Okay, I went in 55 minutes sharing with you in my heart. Am I, am I missing it somewhere? Am I misunderstanding something? I mean, we could go back into Scripture, back into the Word, which we love to do. We love the Word of God. We eat it. We drink it. It's our milk. It's our meat. It's everything for us. But we also love fellowship. Fellowship. 
And, and you know the funniest thing for me in my life personally? You know what would be worse? The worst thing that could ever happen to me is I would not be able to break bread with the body of Christ. Do you know why six days a week we're either preaching behind a pulpit or in a house, in a living room, or in someone's table, or behind a microphone or behind a pulpit? You know why we do that six days a week, sometimes twice a day? Because we love fellowship. We love breaking bread with the body of Christ. And the day I can't share the word of God with somebody, that's going to be the hardest time. I would hope if we ever had to go to prison that there'd be prisoners that at least I could break bread with. And if not prisoners, maybe squirrels and pigeons. I don't know, like St. Francis of Assisi. The worst thing that could ever happen in my life is not be able to share the gospel and break bread and study and get into the word and get some meaning and value out of it. I do this because it's a calling, and I love to break bread. I love it. And God gives me a personality that he gave me. I'm going to take our first call coming in today. Remember, if you have a question, a comment, a thought, I'll get to the chat room here in just a little bit. But uh, the number to call is 818-369-0326. I'm going to put on my trusty headphones, and I'm going to go to some very dear friends in South Dakota. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning. Well, Good morning. Here, here, here is the word of the Lord from the scripture, Psalms 118. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore, shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. That was David the psalmist, of course, saying that. Well, <clears throat> I was reading something by Gwen Shaw, who has gone on to be with the Lord now, but she would write things that the Lord showed her. So this is a comment from her. And the Lord showed her years ago that we were entering into terrifying days of warfare, such as we've never known. Not only one demon will come against you to destroy you, but hundreds and thousands Neither will only one man or woman come against you, but hundreds and thousands will be stirred up by Satan to come against you, to seek to destroy you and to make you give up so that you do not fulfill his high calling. The rest of this was this. You have not only been called to preach the gospel, you have also been raised up in these last days to stand against evil and all kinds of sin, both both in the world and in the church, as long as you are faithful to fight my battles and, and treacherous generation, you are doing my works as surely as though I were doing them myself. It's like the Lord was talking to her, and now it's for us that remain yet on this earth. And here's the last phase. My beloved child, I'm on your side. I know and understand your case completely. Do not be afraid of anything. What can man do unto you when I am on your side? Man is only fighting against me. He is but a worm. I am taking your part in this affair in which you are now involved, for you have sought my face and have wept bitterly before me with a broken heart. I know the hearts of those who hate you, and I stand as a buffer between you and them to protect you from the evil which in their heart which is in their hearts. The Lord, I am on your side. I believe as a person that is chosen to follow Jesus Christ 
and God has chosen many people, we are to remain faithful and steadfast no matter what comes against us. And I know the fellowship of other people is so important in this time. And that's all I have to say. Wow, that's a that's a mouthful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kathy. That was just brilliant. God bless you. Amen. That's all you have to say. All right, let's move on. If anybody has a question or comment, the number to call, 818-369-0326. Let's go to the chat room real quick while we're waiting by and say good morning to some of our friends. Pastor Jeff Bass is with us. Pastor Jeff, God bless you. He said the, na- the, the rapper's name, by the way, in Houston was Travis Scott. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I know a bunch of Christians or many Christians probably are praying for the Nancy Pelosi's of our age and all of that. That's always a, a wonderful thing to do, to pray for your enemies, love them, do good. That's the word of the Lord. I get that. But it's also an exposure of the darkness. Jesus called out the Pharisees in his day as scorpions and serpents and snakes. So you got to bring balance to just about everything in this life. Good morning, Cindy Messman. God bless you, sister in the Lord. Uh, Brenda Torville was with us this morning. Brenda, God bless you. Appreciate you. Pastor Jeff said, Pastor, allegedly the whole concert was a satanic sacrifice to welcome in the metaverse. Now, see, this is Pastor Jeff. Friday, he told us all about this stuff, and uh, that's huge. We're going to have to talk about it. Uh, Kevin Hauger is with us today saying good morning to everyone. Good morning to you, Kevin. Brenda Torville is saying good morning as well. Melissa Flesher, Pastor, Pastor Melissa, good morning, everyone. Brian and Kathy from Honduras, good morning. God bless you, pastors and missionaries. The Lord bless you. Shirley Wolseley, good morning. Good morning from Texas, Shirley. Brian and Kathy said the movie Paul the Apostle is dramatically extra-biblical but prophetic for the days ahead. All right, so you want to watch a good movie? There it is, Paul the Apostle. Charlotte Gotch is with us this morning. Good morning, Charlotte. Uh, Dennis Sossman, Pastor Denny and Sally, places of Goshen are are his plan. Well, I totally believe that as well. Uh, Brenda Torville, Cindy uh, clearly, uh, Messman, good morning. Okay, you got some good mornings over there. Uh, Pastor Dennis says, don't lean on your own understanding. I agree with that. Uh, We got to preach it going out there from Sister Cindy. And then we have Joyce Young. I agree with everything you're saying, Pastor Lee. Ouch. I hope it's that well. You're, a, you're an intelligent person. Thank you so much, Joyce. God bless you. God bless you for seeking the truth. Cindy Messman, amen. Brenda Torville, can you put the number on the screen? Yes, I can. I'll do it right now. Here it is. This is the number. If you want to call into this broadcast, here's exactly what you do. 818-369-0326. And I'm going to get back to the comments here. Uh, we have... Uh, thank you. Sean is with us today. Sean, Sean says Psalm 37. God bless my brother, Sean. Hallelujah. Uh, there's a hello to Pastor Jeff from uh, Sister Cindy. Chris King, one of the biggest things that Christ will expect in the last days from those who know the truth is to bring the truth to the deceived saints who have believed lies. Chris, I want you to join me on this broadcast Thursday or Friday. Make sure you connect with me. Let me know. We have been so busy doing so many things, moving around and about. We're settling in now. Uh, Please, Chris, I want you on this broadcast. Uh, Chris and I did a lot of broadcasting years ago, and it was always a phenomenal uh, touch. So I want to ask and invite you to come. Give me a shout. Text me. Let's do Thursday, Friday. Let me know. I'll look forward to that. 
And it was a great comment. Carol Page, Carrie is with us this morning as well. So the number's on the screen, 818-369-0326. And you know what I hear, especially when Kathy was reading, you know, so what's the answer? What is the solution? What should we do? I hear this in my spirit. Gather together. We just had a Feast of Tabernacles. And it was a gathering together of a lot of people, for us, a lot of people. And it was awesome. It was awesome. I believe the devil, in the past several years, many years, did a masterful job of separating people. I believe that the enemy drove people away from the church, and some places rightfully so. I get it scattered people. And now for years, they've been listening to podcasts like these. Now, there's a shepherd that's reaching out and calling for the gathering of the people. A gathering together. I'm where I'm at because I was told uh, way back in 2005, uh, what are we, 16 years ago, I was told there was going to be a gathering in the particular region that I'm in of many saints. You should not walk through this alone. You need to get around like-minded people. You need to find your tribe. You need to find your people who think like you, who understand like you, who have a balanced nature within them to be upset about things, but they are tempered where they have self-control not to do anything silly. You need to, you need to be around people who are preparing, who are working it out, their own salvation with fear and trembling, keeping it real. You need to be where the true ministry of Christ is set up, wherever that may be, where there is the apostolic, prophetic, pastoral teaching, evangelistic anointings at work in the body of Christ, working in, a, in the body. It's time for an in-gathering. Gather the people together. Joel talks all about it. Gather the people together. Gather the people together. Where do you live? Are you intricately involved and knitted into a body of believers that everything is working? Or are you living in a body where there's disagreements, disappointments, uh, disgruntlements, uh, you know, I'm not happy with this, I got problems. What are you in? You need to find the body of Christ. That is awake and alert. And if you happen to agree, I heard a sister say, I agree with everything you said. Well, that's why we fellowship together. You need to find people that you're in agreement with as long as that agreement is rooted in the word of God, right? And our understanding is clear. I hear it with all my heart. Gather together. Gather. Is this the time? If you're alone to get your wares together, sell off what you need to, Gather it, travel into another place to find your tribe, and start building your life in another place. Participating in the conversation that produces wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of people that are wanting to really know what the will of God is right now. And let me tell you what I heard early this morning in my spirit. You don't want to miss this, okay? This is probably the most critical thing I'm going to share with you this morning. And I believe it, and I've been saying it. You know, you're talking about metaverse coming. You're talking, you're hearing things about 
uh, the food prices rising. You're hearing about an economic collapse. You're hearing about a very expensive winter. You're hearing about goods and, uh, out that are not, aren't going to be coming in. You're, you're hearing about so much stuff, right? You're hearing about a mark of the beast, a great tribulation. The most important thing that you can do is get in front of it. Get ahead of it. You see, a wise man, according to the book of Proverbs, foresees the storm and hides himself or prepares himself. You have to get ahead of what's coming, which means you have to be in a place where you have food and water and medical supplies and shelter and fellowship with the true family of God, okay? You have to get in front of it. I want this to become a principle in your life. This is from the Lord. If you believe the things that you're hearing are coming, well, then you've got to get prepared for it. You've got to get ahead of it so that when it arrives, you're already set. You've got to be prepared. The best way to prepare is getting involved with a body of believers that are like-minded and sitting down and insisting we need to have a conversation, whether it's in our Bible studies behind the pulpit or in a platform like this. Some people may not want to do it in this kind of platform because there may be extra ears listening in and people wanting to get information about what to do. But the Bible is very clear. I mean, if they just read the Bible, they would know what Christians ought to be doing right now. Their job is to make sure that they don't do it so that they'll get caught in a trap. So we can go into that too. But I, I believe with all of my heart, it's strategic to gather together. If that means moving to a place where like-minded tribe is, do it. And it also means getting ahead of the storm getting in front of what is happening. Waiting for your questions, your comments, the number to call 818-369-0326. And then when you call that number, by the way, 818-369-0326, which is on the screen, you have to press one on the dial pad. I'll see that you press one, and all of a sudden, it'll bring you up on my screen, and I'll know that you want to share a thought or a comment with the people in the body of Christ or with me personally. So how do you get out in front of the storm that's coming? First of all, you know, there are people through years that said the sky is falling and the people did everything and nothing happened. Maybe you're going to have to work through that. Maybe you're going to have to say, yeah, I've heard this all before. You have to make sure, like it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, that in the last days scoffers would come saying all these things have been since the beginning of time. So they scoff at the idea of doing what we're doing because maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, Y2K, people said, you know, what? Yeah, I've done that. I did it. I'll never do it again. It was embarrassing. You may have to overcome those feelings about that moment. You were still doing the right thing based upon the information you had, and the potential may or may not have been there, but nonetheless, okay, you responded. Does that mean you're never going to respond again if God tells you? If you can't look at the signs of the times and see through a biblical lens, what's happening, you know, maybe you need to go back and do that. Maybe you need to say, you know, I got so angry. This guy said we should do this. We did it. And I got so angry. I lost everything. I could understand why you would never want to do that, be led by men again. So don't be. Go into the scriptures. 
look through the biblical lens. What is going on in the world? Is it the same as it was five years ago? Is our world today the same as it was three years ago? No, it's not. The world has changed quickly. And you have to get in line with that. And you have to learn from the past, learn from history, learn from the mistakes that were made. Don't put your trust in any man. Okay? Trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. So what is it simple to do right now? Well, right now it's simple to gather together. And let me show you why. The Bible is very clear. Don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. You may have to overcome some stuff. Maybe you want to overcome because finally, after all these years, you finally made it to the right position in your business, and you're now prospering. You live in a beautiful neighborhood. Um, But it's kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah. And even though you're prospering personally, the environment around you is not conducive to a wonderful, peaceful, joyful environment. And you're going to have to deal with the possibility of leaving behind what's comfortable. Last week, I shared with our fellowship that Patricia and I watched a movie called Tortured for Christ. Tortured for Christ. It was a Voice of the Martyrs movie about the life of Richard Wombrandt, the founder of the Voice of the Martyrs. How he was in Romania many years ago. And while in Romania, He was taken to prison for 14 years. And he and thousands, tens of thousands of Romanians suffered cruel under the bondage of the Communist Party. And uh, he was in prison for 14 years, and they showed the scenes, and he told the story how they would tie him up on a chair, feet up in the air, and they would beat his feet, I mean, every day. Every day they'd wake up knowing they were going to be beaten, punched, tortured, electrocuted, Uh, I mean, it was insanity. And rather than losing his love while in prison, his love for Christ grew exponentially. He lost everything he had. He had nothing. And he didn't have any hate for his persecutors. While they were in prison... There was a small group of men that were gathered together in the cell room because it went from individual, private, and then they put them in rooms of hundreds. There were fightings and beatings and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. So but these few people were gathered together with their chains on after being beaten to a bloody pulp. And they'd come back in, thrown in there. They, they put the hands on. They were skinny, emaciated, bones showing, nothing but skin and bones. And they would gather together and they'd have a little piece of bread and they'd have some, something to drink, and they would take communion. And after they had taken communion with joy in their spirits and smiles on their faces, their chains, they would begin to bang in a song, and they would begin to hum a song with the chains as their musical instruments. Richard Wombrandt escaped after 14 years. He was released. He said many of them were for 43 years. Their whole lives, they stayed in these prisons. Richard Wombrandt came out and he started the Voice of the Martyrs. And it was for persecuted Christians all over the world. In America, we don't know much about that. 
we think we're being persecuted because somebody looked at us the wrong way or cut us off on the freeway. We think we're persecuted because somebody didn't say something nice to us or we got offended so easily by someone that did something. And we call this persecution. Does everything that you know about the Bible, the world that we live in, is it possible that some people in America are going into a communist prison, a concentration camp from Nazi Germany style? Is it possible that in America a real persecution is going to break out and maybe that's what people are really afraid of and they don't want to say anything they just want to be quiet and hid and out of the way and let the evil do what it does and just not say anything to awaken delusioned people Chris just said one of the biggest things that Christ will expect in the last days from those who know the truth is to bring the truth to the deceived saints who have believed lies. I know if I'm deceived by a lie, but I have a well-intended heart, I would want somebody to come and share the truth with me to enlighten me. I would want that if I'm really desiring the truth. But it's easy to believe a lie. Even the elect can be deceived. So if there are those walking in the truth that could shed light upon a dark lie, do it, right? But is it possible that persecution will come to the United States of America? Is it possible that our nation will be overrun by communism out of China, maybe even Russia? Is it possible that the evil forces of Islam will be released within our nation to bring terror and a new regime of power and a taking away of all resistors. That's what they did in all these communist countries. Everybody who wrote poetry, you remember Dr. Shivago, he was the great poet, you know, and he wasn't allowed. And, and anybody that taught or preached, and that's why Richard Wombrandt went to prison, because he spoke up against the regime of communism. And so is it coming to a point where people, pastors within our nation, that will speak the truth? will be arrested and sent to prison? Will the church have to go underground? Is that a possibility within our nation? Well, there are people that would tell you emphatically beyond the shadow of a doubt, absolutely yes. Maybe others would like to be a little braver and say, well, I don't think so. I think America's going to stand and the patriots are going to save us and Donald Trump is going to save us. What are your thoughts? Brian and Kathy just said, yes, as the saying goes, those who cry, appease, appease, are hung by those they tried to please. Wow. Listen to that again. Brian and Kathy write to us from Honduras. Yes, as the saying goes, those who cry, appease, appease, are hung by those they tried to please. Wow. I've never heard that before. Thanks for sharing. What do you think? I'll invite you to call in again, 818-369-0326. Should Americans, Christians in America, prepare themselves for what happened in Germany, what happened in Romania, 
what happened in the Ukraine and during the Ukrainian revolution, what happened in Russia during the Bolshevik revolution, should Americans begin to think potentially, possibly, someone may be shouting, it's already here. And someone would say, you ain't seen nothing yet. Well, what's happening right now is not what happened in Romania or Russia or in the Ukraine or in any other of the um, revolutions, communist takeovers or Germany. Is it possible? Is it possible? I'd love to hear from you. 818-369-0326. Is is there anything that history would teach us to make us consider, yeah, it's possible. Are there people that have been in those situations that came to America and said, we see it everywhere? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You better watch out, they say. What we went through and lived through is taking root in your nation. They said that 40 years ago. Is it here? Is this the time? And what does it look like? If you resist our agenda or our new world order of things involving the metaverse, involving corporations, involving, you know, <laughs> uh, what they're doing in climate control, if you're anti, if you're resisting this, we're coming after you. So are you to go silent? There's a time for that. There will be a time to vanish. There will be a time to flee Babylon, to come out of her, my people. That is biblical instruction. Wishful thinking, hope-filled thinking that says it'll never happen. I was told by another saying, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. How then shall we live? You know, when you talk about these things over and over and over, there's intention, and the intention is maybe there's one person out there today that is listening to what we're saying from a biblical lens and will not consider us to be kooky or fanatic, but to understand there's a darkness coming that is going to blind the minds of men all over this world and drag their souls into eternal hell. Uh, Jesus said it this way. He said uh, that the road is narrow. Let me just read to you what Jesus said. He said, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Do you know when the last sermon will be that you will ever hear on this earth? Will they outlaw preachers who don't preach the Bible the way that they want them to in order to maintain a position on the Internet 
will you have to preach it the way they want? Or if you speak against homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, pedophilia, and every other sexually twisted idea, and you speak out against shedding innocent blood and condemning those actions and declaring what will happen as a consequence if you don't repent, are they going to let us keep preaching that in their new world order of things? They didn't let it happen in Romania, not in Nazi Germany, not in the Ukraine, not in Russia. They took control of the narrative. Is that going to happen in America? Are pastors going to be forced to maintain their lifestyle by keeping a following, by telling them what the government will allow them to say? And literally tell them how foolish it is to be talking about leaving, coming out, going into the wilderness. Are you kidding me? These are the greatest days. You have a brand new world order that you could buy or sell anything in the world as long as you set your allegiance with us and do it the way we want you to. Could that happen to America? Is it around anywhere right now? Can you smell it? Where there's smoke, there's fire. And when the eagles gather together, it's usually over prey. And the signs of the times kind of gathering all around. Take this call coming in once again. I think our sister has another tidbit she'd like to share with us, and we're going to allow that to happen. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. Kathy, is that you again? Hello, Kathy. Hello. Are you there? Hey, that's Ken. How are you, sir? Hello. Yes. Vincent? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, what you're talking about, um, we've been warned a long time ago. Dimitri Durman came from Romania. He went through a lot of the things that you brought up this morning. He came here to warn America. And as of right now, missionaries have come to the United States because we need missionaries in this country, not just in the foreign countries. Amen. Amen. And you're right. Dimitri Durman not only came to America, he was in your home. And you and Kathy uh, hosted Michael Bodea and Dimitri Dudeman. And I remember Dimitri Dudeman being on the 700 Club when Ben Kinchlow interviewed him. And uh, this was back in the 1990s. And I'll never forget, he couldn't speak English, so his grandson, Michael Bodea, who we have a relationship with as well, he's spoken at some of our conferences in the years past. Um, they, ben Kinchlow kept pressing Dimitri Dudeman, what do you, so what, is, what do you see? What is God saying? What's coming to America? Finally, he answered the question and said what? Storms. Many storms. He he also, he was also tortured, like you were talking about, as far as beaten and that. And he had problems walking because of the torture that he went through, especially on his feet, standing in ice water and then beating his feet and things like that also. So, um, there's a lot of people that have done a lot of things for America, and he was one of them, but was not well accepted. And because it was a warning. And, you know, people don't want to think about be standing in ice cold water and then having your feet beaten. They'd rather just tell everything and renounce Christ and get on with business. 
quite frankly. And that's the scary part because the doctrine and the gospel that's been preached today has actually prepared people to surrender their faith in the great falling away that's just ahead of us. I'm, I'm hard of hearing, and okay. there's a lot of people that aren't hard of hearing, but they're not listening. I mean, as far as it turns out that if we will not listen, we will pay somewhere along the line. Amen. Amen. You're right on, Ken. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. And you guys stay the course, and God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, sir. All right. We appreciate that call coming in. I just want to ask you a question. Did you just hear what the Holy Spirit said? The modern gospel that has been preached of lukewarmness, feel-good, fleshly, carnal, unsanctified, no potency to bring conviction of sin any longer. Do you realize that that gospel has been preached that way on purpose to set people up for the time of persecution that they will reject and resist Christ and deny him? They don't want to have their feet beaten. Don't want to go to jail or lose everything they work for. They don't want to starve. Nobody does. But is it because of our own bad behavior that we're in trouble, or is it for standing for Christ? These men, Dimitri Dudeman, Richard Wombrandt, and thousands of others stood. Christians around the world, in Africa, in Afghanistan, Iran, throughout the Middle East, beheadings, torture, burned cities, every horrible thing that could happen. They're not denying Christ. Maybe some are. I don't know. But are the American people set up to deny Christ for the gospel that they have heard of escapism? Once saved, always saved. You don't have to carry your cross to go to heaven. I guess time will tell. Time will tell. Gather together. If you live somewhere and, and you don't have the ability to gather together with a tribe of people who are just like you and think like you, you need to find them. And you need to bring what you can to the table to bless the whole. Each individual needs to bring something to the table. And those who can't, hey, listen, the greatest servants in the world are people that have nothing. They just love serving other people. Everybody can gather together. We are the body of Christ, and we are not without answers. And we happen to believe in a very big God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. We really do believe that our God could hedge us in. He could protect us. He could give us light when darkness goes out. By the way, when you woke up this morning, I want to ask you one more question. Did you flip on a switch to have light in your house? Did you push a button to get your coffee going? Did you hit a button and your air conditioning or heating came on? Did you sit your cell phone there? Did you notice that your whole life is around switches and buttons that just make everything work? Are you becoming dependent upon the system? Loving the conveniences 
Do you think maybe one of the crushing blows to society will be a lights-out scenario one moment, sometime, anytime, to make things a little less convenient for the masses, to herd them in to whatever conveniences are remaining that will require your allegiance? Get ahead of it. Gather together with like-minded people and get ahead of it. And you're going to need discernment. You're going to need a lot of wisdom to be able to look and, and have a discernment from God about who's who. But you do need to find, if you're a real deal, you need to find fellowship, relationship. I mean, some people will come in with the greatest stories in the world and people will be mesmerized, but they're not real. You got to know the difference. You have to know the difference. We've been tried and tested and helping people and getting burned. So what? That one person may come and have a real need, and we may need to go the extra mile again. So we need wisdom, discernment, gathered together in fellowship. We get a lot more potential for more wisdom and conversation as we keep it in the Word of God. There is a persecution that will break out in the United States like in other countries in the history of the world. Will there be places where some of God's people will be hidden? Yes. The Church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelation was said, and they're the church of brotherly love. That's why gathering together under brotherly love, serving one another, caring for one another, taking care of one another, right? That church was told that it would be kept from the hour of temptation that was going to come upon the whole world to try them, and I will keep you from it. Patterns of Scripture throughout the Bible tell us that there are those who will be sealed and those who will be kept, those who will be hid in the day of the Lord or in the day of tribulation. There will be those that God will bring into a wilderness that has been prepared for them for three and a half years. I always keep the eternal perspective in all this because I know that this isn't forever. I know a time's coming that heaven is going to swallow up the earth. I know a new heaven and a new earth are coming. I know the glory of the kingdom of God is coming. I know that there is a time where we're going to be ruling and reigning over five cities and ten cities. Oh, I know the government of God is coming to this earth. But we have to prepare for a short period and then come out into the eternal purpose of what God's doing. That's why I don't advocate fear, but I know that these things come. Even the apostles, the true founding fathers of the kingdom of God, the apostles, they were, most of them were tortured, beaten, drugged through the streets of Greece. They were dipped in oil, turned upside down on crosses, sent to prison, beaten. I mean, come on. Why are we not supposed to be willing to do that? Now, that's going to happen to some people. Will it happen to everyone? Nope. There will always be a place where God will separate those that love him. And I'm not saying Richard Rumbright and those people didn't love him. They did. They were more in love with God, and they were privileged to go through what they did. But it wasn't a privilege what they suffered. But there are some that maybe God knows, and I can't handle that. I don't know how it works. But for some reason, God protects them, brings them into a wilderness where they're cared for. It doesn't heat upon them. And then there are those multitudes that are going into it. I don't know which one I am or you are. Got a call coming in. I think this is going to be a very special call. 
and it's coming from our dear pastor, Patricia Xavier. Good morning, my dear. How are you, and what are you thinking? Well, I'm doing very well, actually, and the things that I'm hearing are causing my heart to leap because I believe God gave me an understanding regarding these latter days. And yes, there has been persecution for the last 2,000 years, but the Lord is looking around and about the earth for a remnant that he can call his own. And this remnant will be kept safe because of the timing that we're in, not because we are so special. Those that have been persecuted prior have had high places in the heavenly realm and are there watching us, actually, as to what our choices and decisions might be. But the scripture that I rejoice in, one of them, is Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, I write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. Now, that's very important to understand. The key of David is understanding. He that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. In other words, there will be no way except God's righteous way to continue on because of the heart of the individual. He says, I know thy works, and behold, I have set before thee an open door. Oh, thank God for an open door, especially in the times we're in. And no man can shut it. Hallelujah. For thou hast a little strength. And I thought, oh, that's not a good thing to hear. A little strength? And then I heard the word of the Lord say, that is not what you're considering it to mean. What I mean by it, it is a small group, a small fellowship, not large and huge like many in this time, but a little, a little strength, a little group of people, a small group of people. But they have kept my word, if they have, and have not denied my name in all that they see coming upon the earth. I added that point. Behold. I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. And there are many, even in Israel, and even here within the church, that say they're Jews and they are Christians, but they are not. He said, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, this little remnant people, and to know that I have loved thee. But beyond that, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. In other words, you little group, you have endured through it all, and you did not sit back in fear. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, meaning all that has been flooded upon the church, the true church, and those who are hearing all over the world things coming forth from the media and from other people with their understanding. 
said, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world. Oh, not just the church. This is going to happen in the whole world and all the churches within the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. So what is he going to do? He is going to keep us in that day. He is going to keep us from the trials that come upon the whole earth, the temptations that come upon the whole earth. Well, how is he going to do that? How is that going to happen? I believe there is a word in Revelation 12 that gives us an understanding exactly how it will be. And it has to do with the work of the enemy and the woman who fled into the wilderness. And I'll start in 5 of chapter 12. And she brought forth a man-child. I believe those are the manifested sons of God, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. They had been chosen. And her child was caught up into God and to his throne. And that would be the Lord God Almighty in the beginning of uh, his, his rulership or his time on earth where he gave his life. And the woman fled, being, I, I believe, the church, who is her, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God. That place is already taken care of. It's already been prepared of God. She's going to find that place that they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days. And that is exactly three and a half years. And who are they? They who have been preparing the way. But the dragon wants to destroy the woman. Blood will come out from his mouth to destroy her. But the earth will open up and receive the filth and the fears and all of the abominations coming upon the earth. And the earth will open, and it will all go into hell where it belongs, but it will not touch her. So I believe this is a calling of the times we're in. And I believe if we keep our eyes in the right direction, and though we fled into the wilderness, we know that there is a place prepared of God. And this isn't in the Old Testament. This is in the New Testament, we understand Israel did the same. They had a place prepared of God called Goshen. And we can say at this time, it's our Goshen. But many have been taught it's for the Jews alone. No, we have been grafted in. It's for those. The woman is for those who have overcome, as is spoken of in Revelation 10. 310, I'm sorry, and that this woman has endured, has prepared herself, has made herself ready, and the Lord had prepared the place for her. It will be for all who have faith and understand in this perfect work of God 
if we would study it and make ourselves approved, a workman unashamed. Amen. In the scripture you brought up with Revelation chapter 12 in verse 15 and 16, the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. I always uh, thought that was doctrine. Water in scripture oftentimes speaks about doctrine. Uh, Don't mix the wine with the water. It brings a delusion kind of thing. So he cast out of his mouth water as a flood, narrative, words, doctrine, after the woman, okay, whether it be Israel, the church, or the two, the one new man, um, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. In other words, get her taken out of the way by the flood of false doctrine or whatever that water represents. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And we can see a lot of that deception being swallowed up by a lot of people in the world today. Um, and so that's very, very interesting. And if you're walking in the integrity, you will not fl- follow that. You won't swallow the flood and be taken to faraway places. Um, excellent. And, well done. So, Go ahead. And so the filth of being deceived by false doctrine and so the filth of this world that wants their desires be placed into finances and love money, which is the root of all evil. And so many things that come to offend her, these will not succeed. Very good. I like that. That's good. Things that come to offend. My God, that's an excellent word. All right, my dear. Well said. Well, well said. Let the only thing that carry you away. Yeah, well, God bless you. And and the only thing that we should be carried away by is the presence of the Lord, the spirit of the living God. Amen. Amen and amen. So we've gone pretty far paced today. It's 1045. We'll be back on the air tomorrow and we'll be having uh, our dear friends, missionaries from Honduras, uh, Brian and Kathy, who also brought up an excellent point here, and we'll look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. Brian and Kathy uh, wrote and said that the word narrow, where Yeshua, Jesus said, to enter into the narrow way, the word narrow means with persecution. So it's not just a narrow way, you know, it's through persecution. It's through suffering. It's through suffering we enter. Or what did Paul write in Acts? Through tribulation we enter into the kingdom of God. Through much tribulation we enter into And so we cannot live lives that we have been uh, told that it could be that way forever and ever. We don't have to suffer at all. Um, It seems that through much tribulation, people enter into the kingdom of God. And, you know, maybe there's a big difference between the kingdom of God and just having a big, happy life here on earth. Time will tell again. We'll talk more about that tomorrow with our dear friends. Hopefully Thursday or Friday, Chris King will be with us to minister. And I tell you, it's a sharp sword he carries, no doubt about it. So I'm going to ask you to have a super blessed day today. We love you. And remember, I want to say thank you for the three people that have supported this ministry in the last 15 days. Uh, To all three of you, thank you so very much for your offerings. We appreciate it and value your gift to the ministry, especially the people that did give it. And you know who you are. Thank you and God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Pastor Vince. Shalom and God bless. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
a laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.